Sports Central. Blackhawks fans around the world, you've endured 49 years of frustration. Continue this love fest. Chicago Sports Conversation. Ow! With Adam Hogue and Mark Carmen. Holy Moses! Sports Central. It's a new open. Wow. I am uh, I'm excited, Adam Hogue. There it is. Good job, Ernie. Is that all Ernie? Does Ernie get full credit? Uh, Ernie gets full credit for that, yes. I mean, the way he just set it up with the little tease of each team and then the payoff. Brilliant. Ernie Scatton. I'd hire that guy. He's the best. It, it was promised and it was delivered. I really... I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little moved right now, Adam Hogue. I'm a, it's, it's, uh, we tape these things early in the morning, but I, I'm feeling... A, I'm, I'm looking at a midday level of excitement with that thing. I love the... Uh, man, Marv Albert on the call of the Bulls' first championship. That's when the tears did officially come out. <laughs> oh, Marv, 1991, senior in high school, on my way to the University of Hartford after graduating from Highland Park High School with a 151 GPA. I don't know why I feel the need to always put that out there, how bad I did in high school, but there it is, Hogue. That, that, that is awful. Awful. That is Whoa. 151. That is uh, in between a C- you shouldn't. You shouldn't broadcast that, or Northwestern is not going to let you near their football broadcasts anymore. Well, that's why. Or the, basketball. That's why in the Dave Ennett press box at <laughs> Ryan Field, there is like a little corner in the back where they're like, you can stand here. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere else is off limits to you. You're permanently academically <laughs> ineligible to be anywhere near the football or basketball team. Isn't it that sad that I could not have played college basketball if I had the talent because I would have been academically ineligible? I think somehow, yeah. someway, they would have figured something out. But yeah, I, was, I always wondered why you went to Iowa. Now I know. Hey, got the grades up, no. made a move. It was they did. They did not take me straight out of high school. Go Hawks! You needed a two two five in twenty four hours to transfer to Iowa. I'm like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can knock that down. I think I had a two eight five. First mm. semester was a three oh eight. How do I remember this thing? And then I discovered the wacky tobacco and things went south a little bit. Uh, but I got it back going, and and I, I graduated with a with a fine GPA at Iowa, at least a two four. Hoagie, what did you have? Like a three nine at Wisconsin? Yes, uh, three five ish. I think by the time I was all done. So but you- I I had the worst semester of my life my freshman year. Oh, okay. Oh man the the senioritis from St Ignatius College Prep carry, <laughs> carried over strong to the universe, University of Wisconsin. That was a uh, eye opening experience, and I was climbing back up the hill the rest of the way. You you may wonder why we're talking about uh, college and, and and new beginnings, but it all ties into a special day in Chicago sports history with Michael Kopech taking the mound tonight for your Chicago White Sox. And I didn't think he was going to be there, Adam. I thought this was going to be a we'll see you next year, but uh, he will be towing the rubber, as they say, 
with the Sox and the Twins, and who knows how many starts he'll make. I don't think he'll go all the way to the end of the year. That was my one takeaway, or one of the takeaways I had from yesterday's Rick Hontuck. He threw that out there a couple times, that he's at uh, an innings uh, high, and they're not going to push him to the end of the earth here. But uh, a pretty exciting day, obviously, for uh, Kopech and the White Sox. Happy Kopech Day to everybody. I couldn't sleep last night, Carm. Is that true? Did you have a a moment in the night where you're like, oh, I can't wait to see 34? Well, once I fell asleep, I was good. But I was laying in bed past midnight. I got the uh, happy Kopech Day tweet out at midnight, very timely fashion. Wow, that's that's elite-level social media right there. Yeah, and um, I went with the Yolmer dumping of the Gatorade on my head situation. (laughs) Uh, Look, this is cool. So I was also a little surprised that this was happening. I was, I'll admit it, though. I said this on our postgame show last night, too. I I was looking at this whole thing wrong with Kopech because I kept looking at it like, all right, he's going to be on an innings limit. There's no way he could pitch to the end of the year just because he's never done it before. And so is it worth losing the year service over, what, three or four starts here? And, I mean... it's funny how simply I was looking at this wrong because Rick Hahn laid it out very clearly yesterday on a conference call with reporters. Um, Which was interrupted by the WGN Morning News, but we don't need to get into that. Go ahead. (laughs) And here's Steve Grzenich. Um, mid Rick, mid, for just to just to clarify that there was a conference call somehow, some way. WGN Radio, we lo- we would all uh, from Adam Hogue, myself, Andy Mazur, uh, and everybody else would like to apologize for interrupting the conference call, which took about I don't know four minutes, which seemed like a long time to uh, get rectified where Rick Hahn could start talking, and we didn't hear WGN Radio because we are always promoting Adam Hogue. Conference calls always go wrong. <laughs> this was a bad one. There's never been a perfect conference call. But hey, we appreciate that Rick Hahn spoke on the uh, the topic. Yeah. So how did how did how did he uh, wake you up to what you had missed? Because the minor league season ends soon, right? right? Yes. And he they want him. Yes, he's reaching uncharted territory with innings, but they want him to keep pitching. Because he has gotten stronger. Last year he got stronger as the season went along. And they want him to be stretched out to be able to go full season next year when he is in the major leagues for the full season. So I just like, duh, wasn't thinking about it that way. That the only way for him to keep pitching is it is if he gets called up. Otherwise, it's season over and you're kind of losing that development time to stretch that arm out and get him uh, prep to go a whole season. Now, I'm with you. I don't know that he's going to end up pitching all the way to the end of September, but he needs this call-up right now to be able to pitch past August because otherwise the season's over in Charlotte and he doesn't get that extra time. And and, and so put it out very clearly and plainly like that, yeah, this whole thing actually does make sense. And you can see how it's different than Aloy Jimenez, who I'm still skeptical is going to actually get called up this season. Yeah, I, I, I remain there. Let's just give some Kopech stats here. He's walked two or less in six straight starts. He leads the International League at AAA in strikeouts, 161. His last seven starts, nine earned runs. That's a little over one a game. 44 innings. He's walked four. 59 strikeouts. That's ridiculous. Uh, the dude's ready is the point here. Um, and he he earned it. He struggled this year at times. 
He figured out that he didn't have to throw the ball. I'm sure there's more to it. I look forward to talking to him or hearing him talk tonight. You know, he figured out he didn't have to throw 100 miles an hour every single pitch. He uh, com- and just overall commanded himself better. And you you look at it, and I know that uh, you don't want to put the weight of the world or the weight of the franchise on him, but the talent is certainly there clearly for him to be the best starter on the staff, and that's with Carlos Rodon pitching as well as he is. Yeah, and let's all of a sudden back up and look at this because, you know, I think for the most part this season has been tough, not not just because of what's happening at the major league level, which we knew this was going to be a tough year at that level, but the injuries throughout the minor league system, it's it's been tough to swallow. It's been, uh, obviously, Jake Berger lost the whole year. Luis Roberts, really, this was not that development developmental year you're hoping to get out of him because the injuries he's battled now he's going to go to the Arizona Fall League to get some extra work uh, which is great but all of a sudden if you zoom out and you look at it like this Carlos Rodon has been really really good like top end of the rotation type starter no doubt now you bring up Kopech and if he's able to continue this at the major league level yes Reynaldo Lopez and Lucas Giolito have gone through their struggles, but they have, you can see that the stuff's still there, that they have that that potential to figure it out and be part of this thing. I mean, all of a sudden we could be sitting here at the end of September going, well, they look sure look like they have their number one and two starters going forward, and the three and fours are might already be on the major league roster. That's all of a sudden a pretty productive season. If you just even don't even look at the offense at all, like three, maybe four pieces of the major league rotation could already be there and ready to go at the start of 2019, which I'm, I'm you know, a couple weeks ago, it was looking a little bit more uh, bleak than that. It, it is odd how all of a sudden the thing can just pop. I mean, I think that's what goes on in a lot of these rebuilds. Like, all of a sudden it's like, okay, we uh, you have these guys in place. They've been learning, and and now they're all putting it together, hopefully at the same time. I mean, Dylan Cease in his last seven starts now. He only lasted one inning the other day because he threw 42 pitches, so hopefully his next outing is a lot better than that. But his last seven starts, he's got an ERA of 1.08. And a whip of point eight seven three. I don't love to give the whip, but I'll give the whip on that one. I mean, that's ridiculous. So, I don't know. I, I don't think he's – is he next year? Is he, at the, is he the back end of next year? If he keeps going, you're, they have – you could see what's coming here pretty – and you could see it clearer and clearer. And the Rodon thing is a huge development. I would say – I mean, I would think the Kopech, at least from my perspective, this was expected – Carlos Rodon pitching to the level that he's at right now, one six three ERA in his last seven starts, point nine three six WHIP, and just uh, n- even more so than that, the way he's commanding, uh, just just his presence is what I'm getting at. Rather, yeah, I, I uh, that's a that that to me is like the best thing that's happened this year. Because you didn't know I was going to come back off a shoulder injury. I mean, you, you, you go in there, that can be real dicey. I, I, don't, I don't anticipate that he'll pitch the rest of the year either, right? I mean, you would, you would think that they'll shut Rodon down. And he doesn't want to either. I mean, I've asked him about it. He, yeah. he wants to pitch the end of the year. Well, it's possible. But, I, I, yeah, I, I don't cares, know. by the way? Like whenever they shut these guys down, do you know? I, err on the side of caution. Go ahead. Well, and they're going to do what's what I actually do trust these guys. Rick Hahn and and uh, and Ricky Renteria and Don Cooper when it comes to the pitchers, I mean, they're 
they're evaluating this start to start. I mean, they're not making. I, I didn't get the sense from Rick Hahn that they were saying, "Oh yeah, Kopech's definitely not going to pitch the end of the year." They're going to evaluate it. If he continues to get stronger, then they're probably going to keep letting him pitch. But if he has four starts and then says, "Hey, you know, the fatigue starting to set in," but he's having success, then okay, great year. I mean, you, you did everything that that we wanted you to do this year. You you had a you figured it out in AAA. You were dominant. Called you up. You kept it going at the major league level. That is a very very productive year. So I, I guess my overall point is, it, while it's been tough. Certainly, at times, looking at this, both at the major league and minor league level, at times this year, all this, all of a sudden, we could be sitting here at the end of September, going, you know what? It really wasn't that bad. A lot of good things happened, um, and even like you know, if you have the pitching, then you're going to be competitive next year. I'm not saying that all of a sudden in 2019 the White Sox are are going to be in the playoff race. That's not what I'm saying, but they should sniff 500. I would think. There have been times where this year I will admit that I'm like, all right, you know, we might have to readjust the timeline here and push this thing back a year. Just because all the injuries at the minor league level, not really any of the results at the major league level. But again, I go back to if you're if you're going into 2019 and Rodon and Kopech are, are pitching like this just at the top of the rotation, I mean, that's that's better than most teams have right away. I mean, you're you don't need to score five runs per game then uh, to to be competitive. You're, the pitching is going to be there, and and so all of a sudden this gets a lot more interesting next year. And by the way, you mentioned Dylan Cease. You know he might be on the Kopech timeline next year. Uh, Luis Robert could be on the Eloy Jimenez timeline next year, and then so all of a sudden you're 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 saying in 2020 these guys are are pretty much going to be here and ready to go. Right, the Winston Salem dash will be up with the White Sox at that point, which is uh, yeah. I mean they've been that team's been winning a lot of baseball games. Uh, and look, I, what I want to just rein you back for one second here, though. We got us Kopech's got a, as as you well know, Adam Hogue, <laughs> Kopech's got to pitch like he's pitching down at AAA sure. in the majors, and, and, and I think I hopefully he will. But there, I would be shocked if there's no learning curve. And speaking of learning curves, by the way, Lucas Giolito, say what you want, uh, and I know nobody likes wins anymore, but he's got nine wins now after last night. He uh, he's pitching a whole lot better. He's had some. Major moments like the Detroit game last week where he loads the bases in the sixth inning and he gets himself out of it. I don't think he could have done that early in the season. So you know, he had a moment like that last night, too. It wasn't, you know, they, they were winning, but it was 5-3. Runner was on third. You knew it was his last batter. So it just felt important for him to get out of the inning. And he got the strikeout. And, you know, it, it got him a quality start. You could tell he was fired up. For him, that was a big out. And it's and to your point, it's just good to see him in those moments get the out. Yeah. I see. There's been a lot of... The other thing, too, that I've liked about the White Sox this year, and Ricky's pulled guys out of games. He did it with Avi over the weekend. But for the most part, they... To me, the way they've showed up and the, and the energy around the club, especially when they win games, they don't act like I've said this a zillion times now, but they don't act like a team that's thirty games under five hundred. I think in a lot of Tim Anderson's had a, a very nice step forward this year, way better at shortstop now. Uh, yeah, he. I was thinking that last night. He has really improved as the year went along. So 
I, there's there's just I think there's been a lot of good um, overall. Daniel Polk is a good story. Polka Mania, which I, I'm working on creating a rivalry with Polka and uh, David Bodie. Which mm-hmm. uh, we tried that last week. We tried that last week. Yeah. It hasn't quite took, but I, I'm still working on it. Um, <laughs> and uh, we before we move on from the White Sox, uh, Ricky Renteria, we're thinking about you, pal. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that Ricky is uh, going to be fine, but uh, missing a game for lightheadedness, anything like that, is always scary. So, uh, I, I, you know, Ricky should be fine, but that was a little scary last night. Yeah, for those that, that missed that, Ricky was uh, taken to the hospital before last night's game. Uh, as we record this Tuesday morning, he was just feeling lightheaded. Herm Schneider said, hey, you better go get checked out the hospital. He ended up staying overnight. Uh, that's the last I heard last night from the White Sox. They were keeping him overnight uh, for observation, and I know that he texted uh, Jason Benetti, because Benetti talked about this on the broadcast, that he was feeling fine. Andy Mazur also got a text from Ricky saying everything was fine. So, did you get a text, Mark? I didn't get it. Yeah. T- <laughs> Ricky texted Andy? That That's right. Said he's fine. Why can't I get a text? Why can't I be on the same level? All right, Andy worked with Ricky for what? I know. In San Diego, they go back. They're, they're, that's that's really kind of adorable. That's a that's a great moment for Mazer. Andy, I'm okay. It's Ricky Renteria. How adorable is that? Seriously. Yeah. So we're we're thinking about Ricky. Uh, I have a feeling like most of us, he doesn't want to miss Kopech Day. No, I I got I you got to feel like he's going to be there. The, he'll be getting on a flight at some point today, and he'll be at Guaranteed Rate Field tonight. That's my that would be. My guess. And the other, uh, you know, Ricky had a moment over the weekend with Adam Engel. Did you see that, Hogue? Where he, uh, you were I in did Den- not. Okay, so. Yeah, I was with the Bears in Denver all weekend. Yeah, just, well, whatever. It, it, it's just, Engel doesn't get a bunt down, and uh, with three shots at it, fouls out the last one, strikes out. And after the game, he's like, hey, look. We're gonna, you have to be able to execute that stuff so when we're in a playoff race, when we're trying to win a championship, you're expected to do that, so he's he's put that out there. And I asked him about uh, you know taking Avi out. He's like, look, we're not just thinking about playing 162 games. We're thinking about playing 200 games. We're thinking about playing into October. You shouldn't be like conditioning yourself to be done September 30th. That's not what this is about. So the dude's been raising the bar on where they're going, and I, I think that's super cool. As uh, you know, you get towards the end of the season here, and guys might be thinking about the golf course and time off, and that's natural because it's a long season. But I, I, I like his mindset. I think is exactly where it should be. Yeah, I'm surprised at how much heat he has gotten for some of those moves, polling guys. Uh, I love it. I mean, I don't know that it's been a hundred percent consistent because I've seen some other times where I thought a guy could have been pulled for for uh, you know not hustling and it also I, I guess more so than whatever Ricky's deciding to do in those situations it concerns me more that it keeps happening for some reason um, that said like I I don't have any problem with it at all I mean I, I like I like a, a manager in this situation with this team emphasizing those types of things you know you can you can disagree with putting a bunt down in that decision. But if your manager asks you to do it, you got to be able to do it. Yeah, especially if you're Adam Angle. I mean, that's a skill that uh, he needs to have. He's not. Sure. And I, I, Adam's had some fantastic bunts this year, but in this particular situation, at least from my perspective, it looked like he was bunting for a hit. He got, you know, he he ran into the baseball coming out of the box trying to get down to first. So he was trying to, you know, have his cake and eat it too, which I can relate to, but. Uh, you know, 
all he really needed to do there was get the bunt down, do your job, and uh, he was he was he was going for more. Um, anyway, okay, uh, twenty three straight days, Adam Hogue, as we transition here to the Chicago Cubs, who will have Legion Week starting Thursday at Wrigley Field when they play the Cincinnati Reds. Players can just show up, basically put their uniform on and play. It's the Joe Madden, the season's too long, you guys need your rest, so you all have your pregames, but this is what I want you to do. Show up at 5.30, we play at 7, then you go home. Legion week. I I, I love it. It's a Joe Madden thing, isn't it? (laughs) I mean... They're encouraged to arrive at Wrigley as late as they want before home games to try to get more rest. That's that's the theory. Uh, I like it, dude. The one thing about baseball is it is a it is a long, repetitive grind every single day. I mean, I'm amazed at how early some of these guys get to the ballpark when you when you're when you know you're going to be there till eleven, sometimes midnight after a night game. Uh I'm, I, I I got feel, no problem with it. I, I like it. Yeah, I just feel like they have nothing to do. Like you're most likely they're playing in a city that uh, they didn't grow up in. Maybe don't know a ton of people. It's a weird life. You're a professional athlete. That clubhouse is just a safe place. So if I can get here and get on my Xbox and chill out for a while, and then I'll get my work in. Like I just think they feel comfortable there. Now, are they allowed to come early if they want to? Uh they are allowed. They're okay. All, I, I, they they don't lock it. They don't keep it uh, locked up. I don't believe, but I, I I think it's a strongly conserve, a strongly encouraged. And some guys are like you know, Madden, you weirdo. They don't they don't you know they have their routines and they stick to their routines. Like Ryan Sandberg would freak out if we, this was a, a thing when he was playing. Are, are you kidding? I take I take forty eight straight ground balls to my left <laughs> and then to my right, and I do that every day at the same time. That's this is not going to work for me. Yeah, which is, I mean, you, you can't be messing with that. I mean, hey, that's a Hall of Famer. He did end up in the Hall of Fame. I think. Well, and you do have a couple guys that are probably headed there on the Cubs. Uh, it's you, interesting. I mean, specifically on the road, I see where you're coming from. I mean, as somebody who, who travels a decent amount, I don't like sitting in a hotel room. So, not that I have a lot of downtime on the road, but when those moments occur, I'd rather go out and, and look at things or... You know, sometimes I'll just be like, eh, screw it. I'm going to go to the stadium real early, just get some work done type thing. So I can understand that uh, on the road in a, in a place where you don't live, just saying, all right, well, I'm just going to go to the stadium and get some work done. On the other on the other hand, though, at home, you know, not everyone has families, but find some things to do around the great city of Chicago. Take your mind off baseball for a little bit. I I. I I like where Joe's coming from. It is interesting though how different it is from Ricky Renteria because Ricky's like get to the ballpark as as you know first thing in the morning and and work all day. Grinder, old. Now he, to be clear, that's him. I'm not. He doesn't make his players do that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, and well, that's for the, that's most of baseball. Right. I yeah. Mean, that that's how it is. And so this is just it's a Joe Madden thing. I I mean, I the Cubs. It's it's kind of amazing. Best record of the National League, but no one's really picking them. Like at least in this city, I feel like the I feel like the buzz for the Cub is they don't have enough and I'm I tend to be on that side of the street. Although you look at the National League, who's going to beat them? They they I don't know. I don't I don't see them beating the Astros. I don't see them beating the Yankees. Even I don't see them beating the Red Sox. But in the NL, uh I mean anything can happen. They they could do it. 
but okay, so you Darvish, I'm is got to be done for the year, right? Uh, you've got Brandon Moore, who is their closer, who the the news on him continues to be bad, yeah. and and who knows what's going to be with Chris Bryant when he comes back? Now Bryant's going to make it back, but who knows what he's going to be? So, and the Cubs scored four runs in four games against the Pittsburgh Pirates over the weekend. Miraculously, they won two of them, one to nothing games. But uh, they could use some Chris Bryant in the middle of that lineup right now. They are seventh in baseball, though, in runs scored. Right, but it's always they have huge outbursts and then nothing, huge nothing. It's it's not consistent. Which they, they and they have been getting better. But you know, you get into playoff baseball, you worry that that things that you you know you, you face great pitching and the offense gets shut down. Um, I. I, it, I, yeah, it's, I just, it's interesting. I I look I look at that team and it's like, how in the world is it's just upside down at times? You got Anthony Rizzo leading off. You got Jason Hayward hitting fourth. Now Madden will mess with the lineup all day long, but it's like that that was so far from the plan. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but that's what's going on. Uh, and you know I. I don't know. It's just a key, 23 straight games for the Cubs starting today, which is the Tuesday we're recording the podcast. 23 straight. So, and they and they've got some tough ones in there, big time series. They have and still have to play the Brewers six more times. So we'll see. But, well, and, and and look, you're right. If you're the Cubs, you're going. All right, things might not be great, but they're 71 and 52, <laughs> which is amazing. So if it starts clicking, you know how much talent this team can have um on the on the flip side though the rest of the national league has to be looking at it like okay the cubs aren't unbeatable you know like if you're a team like the rockies right now which which they've been they've been hot and all of a sudden they're right on the uh the diamondbacks heels they got to be thinking well we can win the national league right now anybody who gets in is going to feel like they can win it in the nl at least they um, they should uh you you think about look you, the Cubs spent thirty four million dollars on Tyler Chatwood and you Darvish got absolutely nothing. Chris Bryant has been you know on the DL almost half the season. Uh, who what else you could throw out there? Anthony Rizzo started the season super slow. Now they have gotten a bounce back year from Jason Hayward and David Bodie's been a huge addition. But in general, most uh, the, the team has and Javi's had a phenomenal season. But the team in general has play nowhere close to expectations. Kyle Hendricks hasn't had a great year. Quintana's been okay. And they're 20 over, basically, and and leading the National League. I mean, if the team had played to what they were supposed to be, they'd be running away with it. So how do you look at this year, though, if they go... Let's say they don't even make the NLCS. and They've done that for three straight years. Let's say they go out in the first round. It's a That's a puke. It's disgusting. It's, it's Right. Uh, you know, he, okay. I just want to make make no. They, look, if they don't, but can you can you? Will any part of you still look at it and be like, well, it just you know, it, the injuries hit them hard this year, and it, they just never really figured it out, and it's not really anyone's fault. I I just look at it like their window to win World Series is from now. We're in eighteen, right? That's the year. Thank you. Uh, until about twenty twenty one. And this is the greatest run that the Chicago Cubs franchise is ever going to have. And it's just like, are you going to get one more? So, I mean, these are, you know, premium, premium years where you have guys that are affordable, which is why you take big swings at you Darvish. And it's just, when you swing and miss like that, it, it's, a, it's an enormous, enormous cost. 
Well, look, there's no question you look back on the 85 Bears and there's always sort of this asterisk hanging over it and that they probably should have gotten more than one with that group. And if if the Cubs end up coming out of this window with only one World Series, it's going to feel the exact same way. Yeah, it's going to be disappointing. I mean, the, you look back at, like, I'm not saying the, the Cubs haven't reached Braves level yet, but the Atlanta Braves were phenomenal in the 90s, but they won one time. Yeah. Now, they were there every year for, like, 15 ridiculous years. I, I don't think the Cubs are going to do that. But that's, at the end of the day, that's disappointing. You won once. Uh, it was sweet. I'm sure, as a Braves fan, to watch Smoltz and Glavin and Maddox and every other pitcher that came up that did something, Kevin Millwood and Steve Avery and all those guys, but they won one time. I, I, I don't know. But on the other hand, it's still better than only just having, like, like look at the White Sox. They, they, <laughs> 05 will forever be the greatest year ever. Oh, it's better than, yeah. Isn't this a weird dynamic, though? Because it's almost like, it's almost like the Cubs... No one's ever looking back at the White Sox and being like, well, that was a disappointment. They only won once. And yet they have had so many years of struggling since, while the Cubs are looking at probably being at the top of the division for a decade, whether they win one or two or whatever. So if it's only one, their whole thing gets looked at as a disappointment, Whereas no one really says that about the White Sox, right? And maybe, maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too harsh on the Cub on it. If they, no, if, but you're not wrong. It's just, it's just an interesting dynamic. It's like when expectations are raised, disappointment is raised too. Yeah, and I, look, the the fact that they're the Cubs are in the mix and winning every year, and 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 also like. The Cubs, historically, they don't beat the Nationals last year in that series. They lose that Game 5, all, and they don't even get to Game 5. Uh, you know, the, Washington was a better team last year, and somehow they did it. Um, so, uh, and, and, you know, they beat the Cardinals in 15. It's just been, they've done stuff that, that and, they, and they won the World Series. Yeah, with, and Game 7 of the World Series. Down 3-1 in the series, which is underrated, too. They were down three games to one in the World Series with two games on the road, and they won it. That's that the, was the most anti-Cub thing that ever, ever will happen. <laughs> yes, ever. Like, it's almost, it's it's enough to say that you can't even bring up doing Cubby things anymore. They're, 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 it's a completely new era. Right. Well, I, I, was on, uh, I was on Kansas City Radio, and Sarin Petro hosts Middays on 810. He's like, he's like, Cub fans are just like Red Sox fans now. They're so annoying. I'm like, really? Have they reached that level? I, 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 kind of though, you just brought up in three straight years how they came through with the clutch win in a situation where they used to never do that. So, at what point are they now expected to win those games? I mean, I, I just didn't. Right? Know, I mean, I guess, I guess, I. But like, I'm just talking about like pure arrogance of you know we're better than you were Red Sox fans. We're Red Sox nation. I still feel like the Cubs are like this like cuddly fan base of just in general. Uh, I don't know, Steve Bartman types. Yeah. I will say, Carm, it, it has been exhausting witnessing Cubs fans complain this much about a team that is 19 <laughs> games above 500. Okay, okay. I mean, it is doom and gloom every single day. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you are 71 and 52. Uh, that's it's that's funny. To hear with like of three of your best players hurt. Okay, 
I, I, I think that's funny to hear from that perspective. Uh, <laughs> they were, but they am were, I wrong? No, I don't think you are. At one point, they were seventy-one and fifty. Right, but uh, they just had two terrible losses against the Pirates. Season's over. Woe is me. How, how are they going to handle Detroit Tuesday night? The Reds are coming in. They've given us problems. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, hey, let's let's wrap up with some Bears thing. How? Tell me about the highlights of the Denver trip. What were your thoughts on Trubisky? Did you? I know that I saw pictures with you with boulders, and you and you had a great time. And Krista was out there too. It looked like a, an amazing trip for you. Yeah. No, it was a great week. Uh, I think for the Bears, they got better. Uh, personally, it's always a it's a fun trip because there's always a built-in off day, which we don't get very often in football. So you kind of get to experience, I guess, the baseball life for a day where there's an off day built into a road trip. Um, so, yeah, saw some cool things like mountains. And I'd never really spent – I've been in Denver before, but never really spent some time out in Colorado. So, uh, yeah, it was a fun trip overall. I think I, I think I tried every beer that's ever been made in the state of Colorado. Good job. Which yeah. I, was, I was just impressed with. My, you know, that's a – that's a they are beer heavy out there. I didn't really realize that. They love the micro brew. There is like a brewery every three buildings. I love Colorado. Three hundred. Yeah, I was very impressed. Yeah, yeah. So what on the field? What what's the yeah? Takeaways? More importantly than uh, my trip, the Bears. Uh, not, I, I thought not, I thought they had two not, good practices against the Broncos. Like looked, that's a good defense, and I thought the Bears' offense in the practices uh, more than held their own. In fact, I like to listen to the opposing sports radio, I guess is the best way to put it. But the, the I was listening to the Denver sports radio in the afternoons after practice, and they were like blown away by Trubisky in the offense. They were like putting Adam Shaheen in the Hall of Fame. Um, <laughs> that That's how good the Bears looked in practice. Did it look that way in the game? Not completely, but I mean, to see Trey Burton running all over the field with the football and Trubisky connecting with him. Keep in mind, they're still not really showing much. I mean, this is still a very, very vanilla offense that you're seeing in the games. Um, And there's no question on that interception that the practices helped the Broncos on that play because, uh, and I'm forgetting which player picked him off there, but he said during the game on one of the interviews that that was a play they knew was coming which in a game that you're still not really scheming for is, I mean, I, I guess it's not good for the Bears that that happened, but you could tell, though, that on that, they had seen that play in practice right. and saw it coming. Tariq Cohen didn't run the route the right way. Trubisky never should have thrown the ball. I'm not letting him off the hook for that. It, it wasn't a good matchup against the safety. He never should have thrown it. But, look, I, I agree with Matt Nagy that I'd rather see that happen in the preseason than in the regular season. Two things. Number one, your experience in Denver is more important than the Bears. It's certainly at this point in the season. I just want that on the record that, okay. I, that I feel that way. Number two, I, as far as on the field, I thought it was cool that Trubisky seems like he's got something going with Trey Burton. So yeah, it's it, huge. It, like a little, you know, he's got to have somebody that's got some comfort for him, and and that dude looks like he's. I mean. Right, right now you would say he's going to lead the team in, in in receptions. Am I missing something? Uh, he's certainly got a chance, and that's what I've been saying about Allen Robinson. I mean, people have been like, "Is Allen Robinson going to catch eighty balls this year?" I don't think there's going to be eighty chance. I mean, there might be eighty targets, but actually, there better be. But it's just the the ball is going to be spread around a lot, so I don't know. 
you know, hopefully whether Allen Robinson's catching any passes or not, he's getting the attention that is opening up guys like Trey Burton, who may end up leading the team in receptions. And that's fine. It's also a big reason, though, why I hope Adam Shaheen's okay. Fortunately, it sounds like it's just a sprained ankle. But the fact that they were still evaluating this as of yesterday, Matt Nagy said that, that's two days after the game, that tells me that it's not... uh, there might be something else going on there. I hope it's. I hope he's fine because the tight end is a very, very important position. Deion Sims um, is a fine player, but Adam Shaheen has the ability to, I think, be a dynamic receiving threat if he can stay healthy. And that's going to be the big question with him is durability here because this is now the second straight year he's already dealing with some type of injury. They can need these tight ends to stay healthy. And uh, Deion Sims is dealing with a concussion. So... That's concerning. The Leonard Floyd injury is obviously concerning. You come out of this trip and you go, "Oh man, have those two guys banged up?" That's, yeah. I mean, you could argue that it was a, you know, a loss just from that standpoint, right? I, I chose to look at yesterday's news out of House Hall as good news. The fact that Leonard Floyd's still going to be able to play Week One. It's not ideal. You'd like to have him to have his hands because he's been working on the hand technique and and, and those pass rush moves, but. At least he wasn't lost for the season. I, I I thought that that was actually good news yesterday. Yeah, no, I I would agree. It it they could have gone a lot worse. I I would also like to put out there the Leonard Floyd thing, which is what I've sort of been banging out with him. Just the likelihood that he's going to be the star that uh, the Bears need him to be. When you're an injury prone guy, somehow things like this just tend to happen. Now it's the hand. Now it's this. Now it's that. I mean, he's uh, that that. That was, and he landed awkwardly. But it's like I also look at like if somebody wasn't injury prone, they come out of that, they don't have a broken hand. He, 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 you know, it was just a little bit awkward the way he did it, which is totally harsh on him. But Uh, it's fair, it's fair because these injuries keep happening. And I, you know, I watched the play a few times yesterday. Once it was, I was kind of confused where it even happened. Um, But yeah, he just like kind of got upended by the left tackle a little bit, and he had to put his hand on the ground to break his fall. And, yeah, he did. I mean, he just put his hand down. It it didn't look that bad at all. And he broke two bones in his hand. Now, these have all been really different injuries. You know, it starts with the shoulder, a couple concussions his first year. Last year, his teammate flies in like a missile at his knee. I don't know what he's supposed to do about that. I mean, that was just really unlucky. And now all of a sudden he has a what I would classify more as like a Kevin White type injury where bones are breaking on plays where maybe they shouldn't. He looks awful too, by the way. Yeah, I thought he actually had a better week in Denver than everything that happened before that in camp, but he certainly doesn't look like a first round pick. He doesn't look like a right. He does not look. That's a good way of putting it. He doesn't look like a first round pick. He still looks like he's learning how to play football. Uh, I. I don't. I just don't see it. There's that 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 thing is not going anywhere. Well, a week ago, I thought he might be in danger of getting cut. Um, I don't know that I feel that after the trip to Denver. I also don't really see him catching more than thirty passes in the whole year. Right. So, uh, well, all right, Kansas City up next. Nine for fourteen from Trubisky. Let's get to twenty passes here, Matt Nagy and company. Yeah, Tom Brady's throwing going nineteen to twenty six. He's Arguably the goat, although I'd probably still take Montana. But I mean, let's 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 let it, let's let it flow. Everybody gets ready for the season differently, but come on. Uh, 
let's let's ramp it up one more time. I think they will, right? I think they will. Yeah, and I I actually thought they could have left him in the game the other night because only because it was a two minute warning situation. Right. Let him play in it. Let's go. You know, when when he threw that last when he threw the interception, I was like, Oh, he's probably done for the night. But then the way the clock played out and it was like a perfect opportunity to let him run the two minute drill before halftime, I thought that, that maybe that was a missed opportunity. Um but let I mean Here's what I'm looking for today, by the way, because I think this is big. What does the offensive line look like when I get to Hal's Hall practice today? Because I've said it very clearly many times here in the last week or so. I think James Daniels should be the center, and I think Cody Whitehair should move to left guard. Um, I'm I'm officially on the OB train on that one. (laughs) Uh, If they're going to do that, though, they need to do it now. I mean, the switch needs to be made this week in practice, and that's what it needs to look like Saturday against the Chiefs. So if that's going to happen, uh, I think that that's a move that needs to be made today as of uh, Tuesday as we're recording this. Do you, think, do you have any sense that that's going to happen? I don't. I think it's like 3%. I would, lean, I would actually lean towards that not happening. But I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance that it happens. Um Frankly, I haven't had enough time in the last couple of days. I went back and watched the the whole first half closely, but I didn't really get a chance to evaluate James Daniels specifically and how well he played. But if he if he was as good as I think he was again in the game the other night, then I would think he's pushing to be a starter just because the guard the left guard situation doesn't look that great right now. Right. So that's where I don't know. It'll be interesting today to see if that happens. Adam Ho, great to be with you, brother. You too, buddy. Copac day. Copac let's do day. this. Let, let's have a moment. Uh, are you coming out? I, I, I know I'm scheduled for tonight. I feel like you. I was waiting for the text. Carm, can I just get that game? I would. I would have said yes because I, I know you would have. But I wasn't going to take that away from you. Okay. Um, here, here's the real deal. I, I'm doing TV in the morning. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I have to be. I have to be up at three thirty in the morning. Uh, so. We'll, we'll d- I have to go to the game though, don't I? Like, not, I'm not talking about like work wise. I'm just like I can't miss Kopech's debut. I mean, maybe you go for this the little pregame, however long he lasts, take in the first five innings or so, then head on out. Wouldn't be terrible. That's kind of what I'm I'm leaning towards right now. I mean, I made a point of going out to Moncada's debut last year. It was awesome. I've never cheered that hard for a walk in my life. <laughs> I'll see you tonight. <laughs> I know, I know. So I, I, I would, I would say, knowing myself, um, I'll probably be there. You'll look over at Krista at about five fifty-two. You know what? Um, I think I'm just gonna have to go down there. You don't yeah. mind, do you? <laughs> you know the deal, right? Okay, see you later. I'll see, I'll see you at nine fifteen for three hours before you get up and leave at three thirty. Yeah. But, no, if I come, I gotta soak in the whole day, right? Uh, so well. well yeah, no, you should, sure, absolutely. You should be there, like, to take a picture of, of the, I, I remember uh, Eric Hosmer's debut in Kansas City. I ever tell you, I worked in Kansas City. I took a picture of his bat, ready for action. Like, I felt like I was really doing the good social media. That's like, you, you got to get a picture of the mitt tonight. Ready yeah. to go. Let's go, Kopech. All right. Uh, all right. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast, everybody. We're with you uh, every Tuesday as uh, Sports Central back rolling. Adam, there we go. Let's get some music going. Uh, Best news of the day, by the way. I just got a text from Nick Wright, my good buddy out in New York. Got two tickets for next Monday, U.S. Open tennis. I don't know what we're doing for the podcast next week, Adam. We might have to miss that one. Wow. Two tickets. 
just name dropping Nick Wright coming through with U.S. Open tickets. I, I asked for all three days. Got the test. Got two ticks for money. All I could pull. That's I, big time. I went with I'll take it. Thanks. Wow. <laughs> Good for you. Nice I mean, hook up. Gotta, hey, you're in New York. The Open's there. You're Nick Wright. You, you're come on. You can pull a ticket. I know. You, you know can. what? What's crazy? Listeners probably don't care about this, but like you're you're tight with Nick from Kansas City and Houston. And his producer just happens to be my good buddy from Wisconsin. Sam Pepper, baby. We see you. It's a small world. That, that was unbelievable. Uh, where'd you go to school? Do you know Connor? Do you know Adam? Yes, I know yeah. Con- I know Adam Hogue. He was my editor. He was my, we covered Wisconsin Badgers basketball together. Traveled on the road. All of us just Crazy. avoiding work, trying to do something. Stay in media. God bless. We will, right. We'll see you next week. Go Michael Kopech. I just did a dance to the end of that tune. That was a great ending.